0: To burn in return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. Whoa! Welcome to another episode of. Burn and return. Uh, I, listen, <laughs> I I'm not going to lie. This, I did do it backwards, but I figured I had to at least get each piece in there at some point. But you know what? It's actually very representative with a lot of the things I do in life. I do a lot of things backwards. I, you actually bring up a great point here, Deme. Yeah. I have a horrific habit, and it started at some point in high school. Where I read books, beginning
1: at the end, and then go back to the beginning
2: and read it. Isn't that bizarre? Uh, no, I would just, nope. I would just say that this this confirms Vindicate. your severe anxiety disorder. That's all. <laughs> you can't wait. You can't wait for the end, right? Yes. Yes, when most when most people are cuddling, after the act, you've gone back to the foreplay. We get it; it's all good. However, you need to do it, okay? The man, the postcoital bliss. The postcoital bliss is different for everybody, Matt. And who are we to say, you know,
1: <laughs>
2: where and when you should spoon? We're not that people. We're not the spooning police. Well, Ray might be, right? Oh, hardly, hardly. <laughs> Hardly.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm real, I'm firmly a, a, you do you person. Yeah. Firmly a, you do you person. I mean, that's the, that's the model of my life really
2: in all things. Ray is a libertarian. So (laughs) neuropathy is manageable, not curable.
0: Right. And this is how Mm -hmm. I have learned to deal with my neuropathy. Um, I'm self-admitted a crazy person, and I have I have no problem admitting that. And uh, you know, you can you can ask just about anybody that knows me. I'm an absolute lunatic, uh, and that's and that's okay. So you know, why did we even? How did we get into that?
2: Oh, you because you Yeah, I did and the thing. You should what? What well, well, can you, parallels yeah, to you, all you aspects should, of my life? You should. Uh, brief people because there's probably people that only listen to us on their favorite podcast platforms and may not know about what we're for right now calling the gobblers Why don't you brief everybody on that real quick
0: yeah so for those of you that don't know what we have started doing if you listen to this in podcast form we have cut out each individual news segment and are uploading that as uh as videos on youtube and the reason in doing so is that so if you don't feel like grinding through the entire hour and a half, or, wh- or however long an episode lasts, then you can Two go back hours. and reference a specific article that we talk about and get some individual insight into it, right? Or maybe there's one thing we talked about you would enjoy sharing with a friend or a coworker or whatever the case may be, and instead of having to go find the timestamps and all that, um, you could just send them the uh, the YouTube link and it's easily approachable for all um you know uh demay had a good point that we are putting a significant amount of content out right now that not a lot of people talk about and uh and so by cutting it up and making it more approachable then it it increases the reach of of the uh of the kind of work we do and so we're going to play around with that and continue to do that uh for a little while here and just engage feedback i will say thus far we have gotten very significant positive feedback. The majority of this I'm getting privately, um, even from an analytics perspective. Wow, you know, we're not cranking in hundreds of thousands of views because we're not that fucking interesting. Um, but we we are getting, uh, you know, people seem to be watching it for longer periods of time and fun stuff like that. And they tend to go from one to the next. So that's all positive feedback for us, right? And that's one of those things that encourages us to keep going down the path we're going. If you have any suggestions of of the sort of things you would like to see us do, feel free to shoot us over an email at mail at thegrassfactor.tv, and uh, and we will take it into consideration if it's if it's doable on our part. Um, all of that to say, uh gentlemen, we have an absolute star studded show today. Um, Demain, I got to tell you, the show prep you put into this is is phenomenal. Um, every one of these articles today. Got me going in one way or another, and there's a lot of them we didn't even address, and I'm just going to roll those over into next week, um, because there's simply just too too many to cover this week, and uh, and you know here we are, here here we are, dead nuts in the winter, in the midst of the encroaching polar vortex, by the way, which I don't know if anybody caught it last week, but we were talking about the the onslaught of the of the coming polar vortex, we're knee deep in it, here in the south. We're calling for two to four inches of snow tonight. That's going to end the world,
2: and uh, and we're here for it. <laughs> my God, I'm not. Everything will shut I down.
0: I did not stock Everything, up right? on bread and milk today. Um, but I did just get my regular groceries for the week. Does that does that make me a? Am I a quitter? Am I a loser?
1: No, it doesn't it's make a, me. No, no, I don't think you're a loser, Matt, because. You know how I judge the people that are unprepared and anytime something adverse has happened, they're just not freaking ready. And so it turns into a catastrophe. It turns into a panic. I mean, I just uh, have zero sympathy for them because previously... Every storm in Hawaii would be preceded by long lines of people at the gas stations, uh, crowding up at Costco, Sam's Club, Walmart, whatever. But I'd be sitting at home and just basically judging those people, saying, you pack of losers because you're now running out and getting shit. You are supposed to have in your household at all times, anyway. You're on an island; you need to be ready no matter what.
0: (laughs) And that's just putting it mildly, from Ray. Yeah, Ray is just we we call that we call that keeping it real,
2: real talk around here,
0: real talk. Yeah, real talk. RT, baby, RT. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gentlemen, how about we just go ahead and jump into this week's headlines because they're just oh so good. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Nothing to fear here. This is just the This first one here is an absolute uh stunner. Uh, we're gonna talk about Joe Mercola. Uh Mercola. Um However, you want to say his name, I have no idea how to accurately say it, so I'll just <laughs> call him. <laughs> The turkey turkey is on my side here, so that's a positive thing. Refuting Crazy Joe Merkla's glyphosate autism scare story. Alternative health guru Joe Merkla claims there has been a massive increase in autism cases since the 1960s and that the weed killer glyphosate is a key culprit. He's wrong on both points. If you're a regular ACSH, ACSH reader, you've met Crazy Joe Merkla as my colleague, Dr. Josh Bloom. Fondly refers to him. Once a reputable physician, Merkla is now perhaps the most prominent alternative medicine advocate and supplement salesman globally. Over the years, one of his pet peeves has been the alleged link between autism and a variety of chemical exposures, most notably vaccines and pesticides. And this has not changed as twenty twenty one comes to a close. Here is Merkla's latest effort published by the Epic Times. The disease has soared, this disease has soared twenty eight X since the nineteen sixties, but why? There's no single answer to this problem. Since many different toxins can contribute, preventing autism must include the elimination of most toxic exposures. Top suspects include childhood vaccines, the 10 chemicals listed earlier, glyphosate in particular, autoimmune antibodies, gut inflammation, retroviruses, and EMF exposure. A lot has been said in response to on these issues, so instead of writing a 3,000-word point-by-point uh, refudiation, I want to focus on the good doctor's willingness to ignore or misuse evidence using one of his favorite, Hogeyman, glyphosate as an illustration and it goes on to give more detail through different meta analyses and scientific studies have been performed here and again what this all plays into and this is one of my first exposures to the major argument of uh, causation versus correlation right and if you've never seen the causation versus correlation memes like for instance the number of times um. Uh, 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 what's his name who's the super short guy that's in scientology tom cruise it's like the number of (laughs) movies tom cruise (laughs) is in as correlates to the cases in autism and they both accelerate on the same uh growth curve it's it's a lot of fun and and you can type into the google sphere uh correlation versus causation um uh funny and then and then go to images and you can read all kinds of different things like us spending on science-based and technology and suicides by hanging strangulation, and suffocation and how all these curves here just have absolutely undeniable links, right? Because causation equals correlation. Absolutely not. So, um, gentlemen, talk to us here. Talk to me about crazy Joe Merkla and, uh, and the Glyph say, autism link.
2: Ray, do you want to go first or me?
1: You go ahead, you go ahead, I mean, you might as well team me up so that I can uh thoroughly uh put this clown on a pike,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. I usually don't have too strong takes. I am, and I try to be the most diplomatic person here as much as I can be, <laughs> but this mm-hmm. motherfucker is a special piece of shit. he really is, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why first, number one, I mean he. It, Guys, he's no different than the people that we like to rip on in our industry, right? This guy mm-hmm. is a class A grifter, okay? Selling supplements, immune boosters, all this other bullshit that doesn't make any bit of difference, right? But he mm-hmm. gets you to feel good about putting it down, right? Instead of throwing her down on the lawn, throw her down the gullet, Ray. Take that immune throw booster, throw it on put the it in head. Your belly. Throw her yeah, down the throw hatch. Throw down the hatch and uh there. <laughs> so the the other piece here, besides the fact that, you know, uh he is bilking people out of money, uh, is that there is some sort of correlation between autism and uh glyphosate in particular. That's a very strong statement to make with absolutely zero evidence to back it up. And this to me uh one is' a personal issue because i you know, I'm a parent of a child that has autism that is, you know mm-hmm. faces that disorder every day and understand what that means and you know the thing that gets me a lot of times when it comes to you know uh either vaccine injury or uh environmental injury related to this these are people mm-hmm. that are using scare tactics to not, that don't understand the science of how uh this this disorder manifests itself and so uh, I just find it funny that, you know, we, we've got to come up with something that in this case, okay. Hey, glyphosate, right. Buzzword. Everybody's freaked out about it. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, slide these two. It's like, remember those, uh, those, uh, uh, worksheets in, in school, Ray, where you had to match the one word and you had to draw the line down to the other side and match the word on the other side. I think that's yeah. what crazy Joe did here. I think he was just like, Hmm, glyphosate. Mm, let's go to autism and we'll just do that. And Make the link yeah, let, and so let, let's link it to the autism. only thing exactly. so whether it's you know uh, glyphosate you know glyphosate equals people eating i'll start there, you know uh say what you want about it, but glyphosate equals people eating for right now until somebody comes up with something better, and uh the old one that we like to use um with the vaccines you know that they pay, people would say you're vaccine injured or whatever, and that's the reason that um you know you you've got autism is vaccines cause adults, so Joe eat shit, go fuck yourself
1: yeah and uh links uh links to my uh list of products on Amazon because uh talk about somebody not staying in his lane, talk about somebody misusing the science. Because, and by the way, do you know who I'm actually extremely skeptical of overall? I'm extremely skeptical of most physicians, and especially the physicians that proclaim themselves as alternate medicine practitioners, because most physicians I know of, especially if they lean towards that alternate medicine side, they are the first ones to blame anything and everything that goes wrong with somebody on glyphosate. And they do so without having the scientific basis to back up their claim. On the other hand, what if I told you that some of my customers are actual physicians? And those physicians, on the other hand, they tend not to go into that uh, alternate medicine world.
2: Yeah, huge fan, Uh, huge fan of Bob Marley. But ask him how that whole alternative medicine thing turned out for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ask, uh, yeah, ask him about that. And while we're at it, he's dead. No, and kindly ask Steve Jobs. How well oh, that alternate spicy. that alter that alternate medicine cure worked? Do ask Steve Jobs because he do that
2: before or after the liver transplant? But didn't he get the liver transplant and then he went alternative, and then he died no, a couple years. Actually,
1: late? actually, none of the above. He got none of the above, and upon autopsy, it was discovered that he actually had the form of pancreatic cancer. Where had he gotten it surgically removed upon discovery, he would actually stand an extremely good chance of a cure. Just cut out that offending tumor and Steve Jobs would be able to be an asshole to everybody for at least the next 10 years. He would have lived.
2: Yeah.
0: If, so if if anybody has never been down this road before um this is not the first time this has showed up in the news and a lot of what Merkla hinges his uh, uh validation on is from a PhD computer scientist out of MIT named Stephanie Sinef. And Stephanie mm-hmm. Sinef is an absolute fucking head case. I mean a nutbag that fell is likely autistic. And fell mm-hmm. somewhere into the deep end at some point relatively recently within the last ten years or so an absolute brilliant computer scientist that worked in AI and all kinds of different stuff mm-hmm. um, who just fell apart uh, and you know a couple of things that that she did is that she started performing meta-analyses on uh, the various research that was out and she is the one this computer scientist was the one who put it together uh, this correlation equals causation of uh, glyphosate related to um, uh, autism here and you know some of her justifications for her arguments includes disrupting your gut microbiome uh, impairs uh, peristalsis uh, a feature that is ex- exceedingly common in children with autism inhibits bile acid release by impairing gallbladder contraction which many autistic children have very pale stools suggestive low bile acid levels impairs digestive enzymes Many autistic children also have undigested particles in their stool, which suggests a lack of digestive enzymes. And indeed, glyphosate affects your digestive enzymes, particularly uh, trypsin, pepsin, and lipase. Anyway, that was how she put all of this together. But a couple of things here that they state in this article, and I highly recommend you go read this so that way you could be prepared with these things. Um, She claimed claimed also that uh, uh, glyphosate um, causes all sorts of serious diseases and ills. Uh, obesity, diabetes, anorexia, school shootings, terrorist attacks. Um, However, uh, back on planet Earth, according to this article here, uh, (laughs) the National Academies of Sciences has found similar autism rates in different countries regardless of how much glyphosate they use. Uh, Therefore, Seneff's analysis is highly speculative, to say the least. And if you want to add a fun read to your New Year's Eve festivities, Dr. Bloom took Seneff to task last year on April for blaming. Who did Seneff blame COVID-19 on? That's right. Glyphosate. Um, so there's <laughs> absolutely nothing anyone should take seriously from uh, uh Dr. Sneff or Dr. Merkla in this regard.
2: I thought she was gonna None. say Barry manilow That's that's that was None. my guess, but <laughs> yeah. fuck.
1: Because he was number two is, probably on the list. Yeah. Is the truth is is that here is a person that he makes a lot of money. Uh, prescribing bullshit cures for problems that do exist, and he also is an example of a person that also creates solutions in search of a problem. You see, Matt, you know how health conscious I am, right? Yes, very much so. However, do you see me? Going into the the fringe of, uh, you know, and following all of this alternative medicine crap. Because, by the way, I actually gave a lot of the alternative medicine stuff a fair trial. I honestly did. And you know what my conclusion was? Uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work matt it, it It totally did not do a damn thing, and so when I see these people on the internet or in the magazines or in the newspapers telling people to buy my shit, for me, that is anxiety inducing because alternative medicine is nothing new, it's nothing new because Alternative medicine has been around since the 1960s, 1950s, uh, 1970s. So the only difference is, is that here, here and now, uh, people have the pleasure of being bombarded by this crap on their smartphones 24 hours a day.
0: I don't know. I think we should all uh, reach out to Jim Baker, buy buckets of food, uh, move to his compound wherever it is in Arkansas, and uh, and save ourselves and our families. Right? Um, well, I'll tell you something else that's relatively new and actually does seem to be getting better, and that's going to be our next article here: engineered bacteria could boost corn yields. Um. Bacteria isolated from the roots of a corn plant and endowed with an unwavering ability to break the bonds between new, new, two nitrogen atoms could help minimize the use of fertilizer in farming, according to a new study. With the link to the study here in the article, so be sure to check that out. Uh, I have not reviewed this in depth. It's uh, it's uh, I, 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 it definitely requires a deep deep read it is a paid article by the way and i will see if i can't get that bought and share it at least with the patrons so they can go through that um the microbes created and commercialized by the agricultural startup pivot bio who we have identified here before on burn and return uh, fertilize soil more sustainably than synthetic fertilizer and are the first gene edited bacteria developed for growing cereal crops such as corn Uh, plants need nitrogen Mm. for efficient fertilizer each year farmers worldwide use more than 100 million metric tons of fertilizer However, what we have here with this engineered bacteria is a uh, a, a, a bacteria that will allow um, the providing of 40 pounds of nitrogen um, per acre to the plant just through the use of bacteria. There are a couple of caveats here is that it does need to be reapplied every year. And uh, in certain instances, in weather extremes and stuff, it could inhibit the amount of nitrogen generation that does take place and i'll quote here at the end uh, the microbes cannot replace all synthetic fertilizer farmers use right now uh, but the idea was to demonstrate that supplementing with the microbes could reliably allow them to use less of it the gene edited microbes are an exciting and game-changing strategy for farmers said shelly Mintier, a biological chemist at the university of utah In an email the paper clearly shows the commercial viability strategy um i think this is great actually now there's a lot of things we do not know about this right so um, the long-term feasibility of use of these products, um, what are its natural predators, what happens if it becomes overabundant. Um, there's still a lot of unknowns, and maybe in this paper they address a lot of those things, maybe not. Um, and I'm sure that's a lot of the ongoing research that's taking place at Pivot Bio right now. Pivot Bio is very, very well funded. And in um, the fact that we've at least got to this part where we're able to effectively atmospherically sequester uh, 40 pounds per acre of actual nitrogen And if that can be done with significant repeatability and significant um, uh, predictability, then this is a trend in the right direction. And I like seeing that. It's less of the bugs in a jug and more of targeted, directed fertility that we're used to through getting um, synthetic fertilizer. So while uh, at at this point, you know, I'm going to kind of juggle both sides of the aisle here and say that there's still a lot of unknowns, but there are a lot of potential benefits to it. Uh, I'm curious, gentlemen, what's your take on it? Do you think this is the direction we should be going uh, Or are we are we setting ourselves up for the next pandemic
2: <laughs> no i don't I don't think that's gonna take place, but I'm sure that uh you know Dr. Joe would love if uh if he could have something else to hang his hat on and say that you know this causes whatever yeah um, it's it's gonna be stuff like this right that that i don't want to say to go as far as say saves the planet right i think that may be uh, a little too much of an overstatement and maybe you know matt for you a little too anxiety inducing but the the idea here that we're just going to be able to continue status quo for the next 50 years and feed uh you know, a growing population, not necessarily here domestically because birth rates are slowing down and things like that. But I think feeding the world, this is what's going to have to take place, right? So I'm anxious to see what comes of, of this. And I know there's other people, the companies that are in this space trying to fool around with, okay, hey, how can we basically enhance the efficiency of what nature is already doing, right? And that'll be a key. You know, we can talk all day about you know, plant genetics and things of that nature. But I think on this side, on what I would consider to be the input side, it, it's it's gonna be stuff like this that moves the needle. So Ray, what do you think?
1: What I think is that first of all, there's a precedent for this because this type of bacterial symbiosis already happens in what's known what's known as leguminous plants. And the however i do need to take everybody back to an old farming practice where they would alternate production in the fields between say grass crops and soybean for example or a grass crop and alfalfa and the reason why they did that is because when you do that the leguminous crop puts nitrogen in the soil because leguminous crops typically are symbiotic with nitrogen-fixing bacteria. But I think it would be a very nice next step, provided that there's no unintended environmental consequences for cereal and grass crops to be able to be colonized with a symbiotic nitrogen-fixing bacteria. My only misgiving or regret would be, for example, say what happens, Matt, if crabgrass or poor annua is colonized by this bacteria.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, <laughs>
1: I'm j ju- I'm just uh, thinking about what could possibly happen here because I, I'm just and, and I'm and likewise I'm thinking, am I sure I, for example, would enjoy having say Zoisha or Bermuda grass colonized by this bacteria as well? My answer would be no. Because forty pounds Of nitrogen per acre, that translates to me as approximately a little under a pound of nitrogen per thousand square foot. And I've personally seen what a pound of nitrogen per thousand square foot looks like regarding both the growth of weeds and the growth of turf grass. And (laughs) oh dear, uh, all I'm going to say is. I think you need to feed your mower some vitamins. <laughs> it's
0: it's another thing. I think, you know, again, there's a lot to watch how this plays out. And we clearly have pivot bio pegged um, uh, because we've talked about it multiple times now and uh, and they have they have entered our algorithm to continue to show up. And so we'll continue to keep an eye on it. And now at least we do have a study that we can review and, Hopefully, unpack some different things about it, and that's uh, and, I, and I plan on doing that this week, and maybe next week if there's anything of value there, then we will uh, we'll bring it up, gentlemen. I had to bring it up again because this is the most ruthless <laughs> read of maybe the latter half of 2021 into 2022, and it's our good friends back in Sri Lanka. And you may keep asking yourselves, why do you keep dipping back into the pool of disaster that is Sri Lanka? Well, because this is what happens. This could potentially happen to any other country that jumped balls deep headfirst into a, a full organic program. So if we opted to do this in the United States, this is exactly. And let me tell you. This is exactly what would happen, and it would not just be limited to this one country here. Let me explain a bit more, and then we'll be able to put two and two together. Uh, Chinese company intensifies fight against Sri Lanka over disputed fertilizer stocks. Chinese company Kingdao Seawind Biotech has intensified its fight against Sri Lanka over disputed fertilizer stocks and has proposed tough sanctions to be imposed at a time when the island country is experiencing an economic crisis. The government of Sri Lanka has already decided to pay six point seven million dollars to Kingdao Seawind Biotech uh, Group Limited for the fertilizer, which was rejected from Sri Lanka after local tests had identified harmful bacteria. Also, Kingdao uh, Seawind Biotech Group Limited, the Chinese company involved in the controversy Sri Lanka, over imported fertilizer, has demanded U.S. eight million dollars from additional director of the National Plant Quarantine Services of Sri Lanka for the loss and damage caused by the company. Sri Lanka government has suspended the importation of organic fertilizer from Kingdao uh, Limited in September over quality issues, leading to a diplomatic spat between the two countries. Um, it claimed that Erwinia has found in organic fertilizer was found in an organic fertilizer. Further, the People's Bank of Sri Lanka was also ordered by the court not to pay the Chinese company for the substandard fertilizer. Meanwhile, in October, the Economic and Commercial Office of the Chinese Embassy in Colombo blacklisted the People's Bank for failing to make the payment according to the letter of credit. In effect, what they have decided to do is take a company, I mean, is to take a country that is facing famine, real deal famine, due to a lack of uh, uh, yield on their organic farming that they immediately had to undo. And part of that whole thing of becoming organic was this deal they made with this King Dow Sea Biotech company that was going to supply them with this specialty seaweed fertilizer that showed up contaminated with the bacteria that took out their number one and two crops. Now, after all that, which has caused incredible inflation of their currency because they have no exports, they have no food to feed their people, China, to add insult to injury, said, well, since you only made a partial payment, we're going to launch economic sanctions against you since we also funded a lot of your infrastructure projects. It is insult to injury, and it is an absolute disaster of a geopolitical move to effectively, I mean, this, this, how is this not criminal? I guess is what I want to know.
1: It's not. But the man, thing is, is, what, is what
0: is anybody going to do about it, regardless of whether it's it's criminal or not? No one is going to do shit about it, and it's embarrassing as hell because, I mean, we're talking about how many people, what's
1: the population of Sri Lanka? It's relatively large, right? Yes. Large. 20, this is 22, bananas.
2: 22 million people.
1: 22 million people. That's like L.A. hmm Yes. And so. All right. My, my point being is that in the United States, if we
0: opted to do this and we ran up short on food and exports and it created an economic disaster for us, Guess what? Who owns a lot of our debt? It would be China, it, dude. Every country around the world would launch sanctions against us, and we would be put into a position of irrecoverable damage. Without a doubt, everybody is hoping and praying the United States opts to do this because it would be the easiest way to watch the Republic tumble. Maybe that's just me with fork in a, in a light socket. Uh, can we get that one more time, Jay Pink? Maybe this is me, forking a light socket here. But is this not the most ruthless, shrewd, crazy response to a, to a country facing absolute disaster to launch economic sanctions against you over $8 million that you're calling for above and beyond due to the
1: hardship caused because you didn't want to take their tainted fertilizer? What the fuck is going on? Hey, I'm going to say this is par for the course for doing business with China. I mean, you know what, Matt? I feel like this case needs to be printed up and explained with all subtitles necessary to whatever country decides to accept economic aid from the people's republic of china because by the way the people's republic of china over the last 20 years has gone around throughout the rest of the world especially to these less developed countries and offered massive amounts of capital and aid in terms of technology and resources and, you know, construction of infrastructure. They come in, they offer it. However, however, when that offer is made, People's Republic of China almost, no, I'll say it, they have virtually annexed that country or that nation, and the Sri Lanka case is an example of that. In that, essentially, uh, People's Republic of China owns Sri Lanka. They own Sri Lanka. Lock stock and barrel. Talk to me, Demay. You're the voice of reason. <laughs> I'm. I'm watching this, and it's. It's. Give me. Give me. Give me reason. <laughs>
2: I I sympathize and empathize with the people of Sri Lanka. However, I think what you're seeing is my big picture, myopic view of the situation is this, is that this is the development of a playbook, right, of how to squeeze nations in their most vulnerable state out of something mm-hmm. they need the most with scarce resources and nowhere else to go. They're writing the playbook right now, on how to do this. And so, you know the, the 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 thing I question. You know, this is like you know picking the part of a plot of a movie or something like that. But did they know when they sent that fertilizer that it had Erwinia in it? Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys know anything about Erwinia. I knew a no. little bit. I remembered. A, I knew a little bit about it from plant path class way back when, and I just had to go Google it. So this isn't just from memory, but so it. It it basically is a bacteria that just kills plants outright. There's nothing you can do to cure it. Um so once it's there, it's there. Um oh, and then okay. mm-hmm. it also it also has been proven to kill gastrointestinal cells in humans. So if you eat something that has this in there and the disease hasn't, you know, expressed uh signs or symptoms, you can still get sick from it. Uh so not what? exactly what you want to have. So, the whole point there is, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was on purpose or if they're just like, hey, let's just throw this out there and see if they don't test it. You know, I don't know. But now I want to
0: get us kicked off YouTube so bad right now. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: No, it's okay. Okay.
0: Because uh, (laughs) I'm not going to do it. You you keep, you keep, you keep, you keep, y'all keep keep talking.
1: Yeah. Because my, when, I, I I was re- reading through that article, Matt, and it said Erwinia Ur- was detected. Uh, I too remembered my plant pathology classes, and I identify that as the pathogen, pathogen that causes an extremely rapid bacterial blight in vegetable crops. Is that the same uh, bacteria you identified, Brian? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Extremely rapid bacterial. Like, in other words, Erwinia gets into a field of cabbage, for example. That cabbage is a puddle of goo in about two or three days. It's gone. Demay, Uh, if
0: you get Erwinia into a field, are are you having to remove soil and replace it, kind of sort of thing?
2: I don't know about that. I I honestly don't know. But no, you you won't uh, have to
1: you won't have to remove, but if I had a field with Erwinia, that would be the field where everything would be under steam for an hour. I'd crank that some bitch up to two twelve and it would get steamed.
2: Ray's gonna give her the old Honolulu steamer. Only usually only <laughs> Sheila gets that, but you bring some Erwinia into the bedroom and hey, we, we got a party. We've got a party. And I just ate chili, well, by the way. All right. So yeah. the if The only other thing I was going to say is, you know, obviously they're squeezing them now with the, the economic sanctions. They're squeezing them now. Where they're saying, oh, you know what? By the way, we need $8 million extra for pain and suffering. and You know, the damage it yeah. caused to our business and our reputation. I mean. I don't know how this gets worked out, but I think this is one to follow for sure the the geopolitical consequences of this are much larger than just you know some fertilizer and you know uh or the organic farming piece i mean there's a whole bunch that we can talk about, but it is a there's a lot going on in this situation, and I think it's very very uh interesting to follow along well oh. erwinia um go ahead go ahead Ray. go ahead.
1: As I said, I think this scenario just needs to be a lesson to anybody that or any nation that gets offered by China infrastructure, sale uh, of materials, uh, whatever. I mean, because Matt, Ryan, have you ever? wanted something right and you take one look at the guy that is selling or wants to sell that to you and instead you get back in your car and you say oh fuck no i'm out of here have you ever been in those situations um yeah Ray. i'm you know i'm from (laughs) i'm from memphis so Yeah. yeah yeah likewise i I'm from honolulu so so there, but the same caution should apply when you have these shrewd groups of business people coming in from People's Republic of China. they're all in their black suits, nice ties uh and and shine shoes. And they talk a good story and I know how they I know how they talk. They they tell you, oh I, I we can get you this, that, whatever, and oh don't don't worry about the money, uh you know, we'll we'll take care of it and then come to find out the minute something doesn't go their way, it's pay hey up, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and and listen, y'all, this is going to parlay into, um, really nicely into this week's, uh, sponsors, uh, because listen, I know our listenership is not full of criminals. I'm just kidding. I know it's full of criminals and you know what? We do not have to be regarded like China is in this situation. And you know why we don't have to be regarded that way. It's because we can reach out to a criminal defense attorney that gets it. that just gets it. Gets it in the in the in the courtroom, gets it in the Discord, just gets it. Jesse Bousquet Jr., Esquire, specializes in all criminal defense and landlord side <laughs> eviction matters. He also volunteers as a defense attorney in Middlesex County Veterans Treatment Court in Firmingham, Massachusetts, and is a bar advocate for Middlesex County. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not in the Boston, Massachusetts area, Massachusetts area. But you know what did happen to me? I got a federal charge. And boys, I'm on the crunch for going away for a long time. You know what? Don't worry about it. Jesse represents federal crimes as well because he absolutely gets it done for you.
2: Check it out. <laughs> I think Whether you're a criminal. Too. He gives it, too.
0: it. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course it'll be in the show notes as well. Um, and this is a guy who used to be a pesticide applicator, turned into a mechanic. And then one day grew up and was like, you know what? I'm going to be an adult and become an attorney unlike us that are still in the pesticide applicator business it's okay we're here and we thank you jesse for all you do for us and also gentlemen i want to say that this is also sponsored by the patrons and for the patrons since this clip here is not going to make it onto uh, an individual youtube channel so not a lot of people will hear it but mostly the patrons will i want to i want to say this um i want to personally apologize to uh dr greg munshaw Um, I, 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 if I offended you in any way, or you took any of the things that I said, regarded, uh, the iron oxide as a personal attack against you, um, I promise it wasn't, it's out of frustration because in my years of being on this side of the camera, um, I get accused of not doing enough to further education opportunities within the industry. And I like to hear um, it's easy for me to, in, in an attempt to, uh, 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 provide some sort of educational platform, be able to point to the different resources that are out there and show publications from university of Kentucky, show publications from university of Florida, university of Georgia, uh, Clemson, uh, all the, uh, uh, Purdue, all the great turf grass, uh, Ohio state, all the great turf grass schools we have throughout the country. Right. And so when th- those publications do not align with what I'm reading, with what I'm hearing in public. I freak out because, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, I am a, uh, I'm a neurotic mess. Um, and that's okay. But I promise you, Dr. Munro, I didn't mean anything by it. I'm, listen, I am, I am poor, uh, white trash uh, that's poorly educated from, from North Mississippi. And, uh, and this is the way I talk on camera. And this is the way I talk in real life. And, um, and really, my spazzed out moment you didn't get to hear at all When I was really, really losing my mind, which actually did not involve you at all. Uh, But it was just over the fact that iron oxide or oxides in general were uh, uh, presented in such a way that could be construed as uh, an alternative for uh, micronutrient supplementation in turf grass. However, how this all correlates back to the patrons, the patrons did get to hear that. And if those kinds of rants and things like that are things you're interested in, and hearing us be able to talk more off the cup without necessarily uh, uh, abiding by the playbook kind of thing, check it out. Patreon.com forward slash burn and return. That's what allows us to be able to do this show. That's what allows us to be able to have those kind of conversations and not worry about our careers being dangled over our head as a result of it. Um, So thank you to all of y'all, all all of our, 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 uh, you know, we, we, we call y'all executive producers and, and uh, co-producers and all that for reason, because It's because of y'all we're able to get this done. And so for the cost of an airport beer, if you can, if you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. I get it. Don't put, don't take away from your kids or your wife or yourself or your business or whatever uh, to to hear us ramble into a microphone. But if you're of the means and you feel like it, do so. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash and Return. All right, gentlemen, uh, it's enough him hauling around. Let's jump into this week's burns.
2: Pretty sure the no. both balls dropped on Sheila for the new Year, right? <laughs> Uh
0: that was a two hundred and twelve degree Honolulu
2: steamer right there. Steam sterilization. Yep. <laughs> it's good birth control.
0: I I put this article in here just for both of you. Um because we know the 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 Lake Tahoe area is what I would consider hipster. Um, uh, very, 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 guy. very progressive. Um, not not big into controversial things on political fronts, and they definitely do not want to offend anyone, not one person, uh, in their community. Right. Well, it turns out they have a problem with invasive species. And long story short, at the crux of this article here, uh, they are wondering herbicides in Lake Tahoe. Invasive plants provoke debate. So, gentlemen, what did they do? They turned to the professionals and they asked, "Uh, gentlemen, uh, what do we do? So they reached out to Charles Goldman, a longtime professor of limnology emeritus at UC Davis, who has studied Lake Tahoe for 60 years, supports the use of herbicide. Herbicides have been developed, which degrade in days instead of weeks. He said the lake is warming measurably due to climate change, fueling accelerated growth weeds, and it's time to adopt new methods to eradicate them. Um, so I bring this up to put the question in front of you. Gentlemen, what is going to happen in Lake Tahoe? Are we going to watch California fall into a situation where they have to do the unthinkable and reach out to the one tool, the chemical, the toxin, the Merkula, the anti merkula of <laughs> uh, of the Merkula capital will Lake Tahoe utilize pesticides to eliminate invasive species I'll let y'all speak
2: well we saw we did an article oh several months back in oregon right on the on the beach there uh, mm-hmm, against yeah. the pacific Ocean and they were they were doing the same thing because they had no choice i mean that was the that was the best tool available to them and so I here's my thing is like you why would you let principle because that's really what it is I mean it's 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 principle at this point and not a lot else I mean other than there are you know for what for the aquatic weeds that they're describing there are safe aquatic herbicides they they can use to control those Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. when I say that I mean safe to fish okay um And other aquatic life. So the question is Are you going to let principles stand in the way of one of California's greatest natural resources in a state that is abundant with fantastic natural resources? You're going to just shit the bet on this one? I mean, I, I, I don't understand that. That just to me, it seems unforgivable. And I'm not sure. I, I'll be interested to hear and find out. You know, I might do a little digging here and find out. Who the ultimate decision rests with here, if it's yeah, I'm sure it's a federal agency. I would assume, you know, because it borders on two states there, with Nevada and California. But I'd be I'll be interested to see how this plays out. I I again, if you've ever been there, it's it's one of the most fantastic places on earth. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. Um, there's nothing like it, um, and to see it go away for something not to see it go away, I shouldn't say that, but to see it um, go down that path, right, where, again, they're saying that it's not necessarily unrecoverable, but it could put it in a very, very precarious situation, would just blow my mind that we would let it come to that. Ray, what do you think?
1: Well, what I think is, uh, is this going to be a matter where principles and ideals get in the way of reality because I see this on a daily basis now, guys, where the principles and the ideal get in the way of realities. And that is specifically speaking to the situation of invasive species where I saw the weeds that uh, are, taking up residence in uh, Lake Tahoe. And all I'm going to say is that one part per million of that herbicide called Floridone probably take care of it. And one part per million of Floridone has no effect on birds, no effect on fish, no effect on aquatic invertebrates. In other words... That's an example of something that is very selective. And, oh, by the way, you know, when somebody tells me mechanical removal of aquatic weeds, I cringe. I totally cringe Mm -hmm. because what that says to me, because I've seen that played out here in, uh, you know, the few bodies of water inland that we have here in Hawaii, you know what me- mechanical removal of aquatic weeds involves? I dredging out, no, dredging out tons and tons and tons of that weed. And for an environmentally conscious person such as myself, I then have to think, where does all the gasoline for needed to operate the dredges and the trucks come from? And my next question after I've done all of that is, now where am I going to put this massive pile of shit that I just made? Where is it going to go? And so when people say mechanical removal or else they advocate for that, I really want them to also advertise those points as well. I want them to show everybody, okay, we're gonna operate a mechanical dredge in this lake and we're gonna have a convoy of dump trucks that have to transport that stuff, and the dump trucks uh, have to dump that, stu- that that stuff somewhere. Are you guys still on board? Are you guys still game?
2: Again, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand how they're gonna let it come to this. But uh, uh, we'll have to another one to follow, Matt. Another one to mm-hmm. keep track of. It is,
0: and uh, I wish them nothing but the best in uh, whichever direction they decide to go, and uh, I will be there to scrutinize whatever they decide to do moving forward because, well, I've got nothing better to do. All right, this other one, you know, boys, listen, the global fertilizer shortage of 2022 is affecting different areas differently, and uh, out of India, at least eight women were injured, two of them critically, in a stampede while purchasing fertilizer, uh, in the Araria district on Thursday morning, police said. Um, the two critically injured had been admitted at a district hospital while others undergoing treatment at a primary health center. Uh, according to police, hundreds of farmers had gathered at the high school in Narpotkanj, uh, allegedly at the direct of a district administration to procure urea. Uh, there was no one there. While entering the school premises to purchase urea, the crowd went berserk, which led to a stampede. Uh, the farmers vandalized the school properties and later blocked the National Highway fifty-seven in protest. Um, listen, this is, and here here's some statistics here that I think are yeah, is, yeah. Uh, the district has received a mere twenty-four thousand metric tons of urea, as against the requirement of sixty-two thousand metric tons. The supply received is a mere forty percent of the. Lord. <laughs> What I did here was a week ago um China uh, I mean, not China uh, in India tender for I can't remember how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of metric tons of potassium chloride um was issued but they are taking receipt of that uh those vessels of potassium chloride however it does seem like their tenders for uh, urea and map and dap have gone unanswered to this this point, so, um, you know, it's I don't know. Again, this is not the United States. We're in a little bit different situation. We have manufacturers on site here. Uh, we do not one hundred percent rely on uh, all the uh, all material being uh, imported in order for us to have a successful year. And um, you know, if 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 uh, shit came to crunch, you know, we could absolutely turn on all nitrogen production for U.S. farmland production. So. We're in a bit of a a different predicament here, but uh, interesting nonetheless to know that you are so short on fertilizer at forty percent of what is required right now. As you're as you're getting ready to plant, that eight women get stampled, two of them damn near to death over it. Uh, not a good look, world, right now.
1: No, no, it's hardly a good a good look, and I understand the situation of uh, agriculture in places like India, and it is literally people dealing with like one to 10-acre parcels, right? And that one to 10-acre parcel is the difference between that family making it through another year or guys i'm sorry to mention deaths, but that results in another murder suicide and that is like reality of the situation in india and pakistan i mean these people are hanging by a thread because like you know we're, we're kind of spoiled in that oh we lost our job the our our client let us go. We can go look for you know for another one because that last client was such a pain in our ass. no loss, but for them, if their parcel doesn't produce a certain yield, they're in trouble. They got problems, and they got the kind of problems that are essentially the difference between them surviving or not. So I can see how a lack of fertilizer would cause a riot.
2: I think, yeah, the the, the numbers came out that that was the startling thing to me. I mean, it's terrible; it's people got hurt and everything like that. But startling to me, forty only forty percent made it there, and Again, the the government response was, "Well, hey, there's more coming, right, Matt? The fertilizers in the mail, okay? <laughs> I sent it last week. Yeah,
1: and and, yeah. and in the so- meantime, that fertilizer is the difference between you being able to pay the bills, and oh, by the way, in India internally." most people are under the control of a loan shark. And so if at the end of the year, your crop doesn't produce the yield that it's supposed to, and you're short of money, you got to go deal with that loan shark. And from what I've heard, the only person more brutal than a, than an Indian loan shark is a Chinese businessman and
0: to, to, I, I don't want to pour <laughs> too much um, uh, napalm on what's going on in <laughs> India right now but um you know you can actually look up the tenders that are coming from uh, the government in India online see what's pending out there and what their due dates are and I can tell you that it doesn't really matter what these tenders are and what these due dates are. It's all dependent upon who opts to fulfill them, right? Uh, Because um, it's, it's one thing to have all these requests out. It's another thing to actually be able to take delivery of all this and uh, their kind of stance on it right now, or, or hope, at least, you know, what we read in that article there is that, well, they have faith that someone will eventually be able to fulfill these tenders that are out there, but, the part that is also uh, kind of lingering out there that you don't hear a lot about is like for instance they've got a lot of tenders out there for just plastic bags to be able to bag the fertilizer that are not also being fulfilled and uh, and you can check this out if you're interested in more of that and and some of the other things that are going on in this in this space you can head over to indianfertilizer.com um again this is not directly causative to what is going to take place in the United States, but it is correlative. And just because it happens there doesn't mean it's going to happen here. Um, But to be able to keep eyes on a global metric because fertilizer is a global commodity and that wild swings over there oftentimes are uh, causative towards wild swings that occur over here. So uh, if you'd like a little inside information there, IndianFertilizer.com, a lot of of, uh, interesting stuff there. Uh, This next one, guess what, gentlemen? Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart is now helping us pick the best fertilizer for our lawn. When it comes to choosing fertilizer for your lawn, the options aren't one size fits all. Things like where you live, the type of grass you have, and the time of year you apply the food can all play a major role in which type of fertilizer works best for your property. Ahead, Greg Lucas, a turf scientist for DIY lawn care subscription company, Lawn Bright, explains how to select the best formula for your lawn's needs. And it gives us uh, a couple of different components here to focus on. And actually, a lot of these, I thought, were fairly fairly decent. Understand your USDA mm-hmm. hardiness zone. Nitrogen content is key. And time the the timing of application is right. Um, this one gets a little squirrely. If you're a novice, mm. skip the fertilizer and focus on the dirt. Eh, maybe just aerate one time per year. Ha <laughs> ha!
1: Oh, <laughs> Savvy lawn
0: care experts can opt for more niche products uh, Such as organic fertilizers and getting a lawn test So we started strong, we finished relatively soft and uh, But hey, good to know Martha Stewart has our back With a, uh, with a subscription fertilizer service So for all the DIY guys that's looking for an alternative Here is your alternative Um, Remember, if you are savvy, only then can you look into organic fertilizers and long soil
2: tests.
1: Oh, that's like how if you're uh, into insider trading, uh, ask Martha Stewart about that.
0: Listen, (laughs) Martha Stewart was set up. She talked to one friend about it. Meanwhile, we have an entire Congress that is making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of insider trading and no one is serving jail time martha stewart's innocent in my book
1: well to me it's like i feel like she got put up as you know the supposed example but 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 the way i see it is by rights i think One out of ten people in the United States actually need to be serving a sentence for insider trading. I mean, lock them up or get the rope. (laughs) Get the fucking rope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Demay,
0: um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Was there anything in particular in this article that jumped out to you that made the hair on your neck stand up?
2: Oh, just the you know the bottom part. You know, were you? I don't know if you were talking about the article or if you were just talking about uh, you know spending a night with Martha Stewart and finishing <laughs> off. <soft>. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that it was just some Oops. of the uh, yes, uh, it was some of the the, st- the tired old stuff that you hear here. And that's the that's my whole point. Is like you're putting information like this out there, and this is what's getting consumed, right? And then. There's a natural link of oh hey, let's do that and where can I get more information on that? And then somebody gets indoctrinated on YouTube and off we go. Off we go. So again, I just wish there was some uh more simplified content that uh what is this? Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, Monsortis. Look at that. hmm Green thumbs, what's Green that? Green thumbs. J-Ping. Uh
0: what does it cost to be mentioned as to to be, to be so clearly this was pointing at one company. I'm not even going to say the company right now, but what does it cost to be featured on Martha Stewart? Can we do it with burn in return? Five figures. Can we put, I
1: don't know. I don't know. It's five figures. Well, let's Uh, put it this way. Uh, maybe I can charm Martha with, uh, it's oh, a delicious boy. roast or something. Ooh. Maybe. Yeah, maybe a delicious roast Ooh. or a, or a pasta dinner. I, I, I don't know because I, I'm just trying to be good. You know, I'm just trying to be a good guy.
2: <laughs> no. Uh, Ray, if you're going to cook her a roast, I'd say you'd slide it in and just cook there at 98.6 for about three hours and it'll be done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking.
2: <laughs> See if uh, she'll so, go for it. <laughs> that's a por- that's a that's a pork sword, not a roast, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I don't even know how I'm going to segue into this. I uh, I'm not actually.
0: This is always fun to read, and these articles right here just absolutely. If I could wake up and have a news feed full of this. I don't think I'd be any happier than I am. right uh, Pesticides, enemy of the people. Regulations currently ignore pesticides harm to soil species. Our study leaves no doubt that this disregard must change. Scoop up a shovel foil of healthy soil and you'll likely be holding more living organisms than there are people on Earth. Like citizens of an underground city that never sleeps, tens of thousands of subterranean species of invertebrates, nematodes, bacteria, and fungi are constantly filtering our water, recycling nutrients, and helping to regulate our planet's temperature. But under fuel conditions and tightly knit rows of corn, soybeans, wheat, and other monoculture crops, a toxic soup of insecticides, herbicides, and fungicides are with you. You Guys, I don't even know if I can get this. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> I, I, this I already, picture, I already sure.
1: need... I already need... I just want to say... Th- Something for me or Just, my my finger is in the light socket. Okay. <laughs> my finger's in the light socket reading that.
0: Can I can I can I get two spoons to put in to put into the outlet here? Um you need yeah. to
1: find you need to find a, you need to find a 220.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. A lot so you of this is researched already, right? And and, mm-hmm. and you can you can go in there and and look at various research that takes place and typically with most pesticide applications you're going to see a rebound back to um uh, normal levels pri- levels that rivaled prior to application of said pesticide of microbial communities um, within sixty days you will see a complete and total return and depending on which fertilizer you apply you may actually see it occur faster and you may see actual increases above where you were prior to the application of pesticides through the application of dum dum dum. dum. Chemical fertilizers. <laughs> However, regardless of whether you choose to believe me or not, and I'm just quoting research that's already been, been done out there. And again, you know, let me Google that for you if I must. Um, the alternative is Sri Lanka. And if we have not beat Sri Lanka to death in this podcast, we are not doing you a service. Um, because that is the alternative to what is being suggested right here. And I don't know, maybe we can check in on them over the next two to three years and just get a real good sip of whatever flavor is coming out of there. And I hope to God, I pray that it is not a flavor of corpses. I do not want to see anyone hurt at all, especially due to famine. You talk think of a a more horrific way to go than to think an economic decision to become an organic-produced country led to the deaths of that many people, of starving to death. That is a horrific, horrific thing to have happen. And these articles right here that we're looking at right now that vilify the positives that come out of modern-day agriculture, which, again, nobody's saying it's perfect on this show. The one thing we pretty much unanimously agree on is that there is a need to continuously improve everything we do in the green industry. It is the evolution of the industry, and we all agree on that
1: unilaterally. The alternative to making brash decisions is ultimately
0: horror stories, and we can point to multiple instances in history. Not just Sri Lanka, but also what took place in North Korea, what took place in China, Pol Pot,
1: Russia. Russia, mm. Russia I mean, and you East know Germany? what, Matt? Not so much East Germany, but mm. I am like cautiously optimistic as well, because unlike China and Russia and and Europe in general, you know what's in Sri Lanka's favor? The fact that these people are surrounded by the ocean, so there's a lot of fish, there's a lot of, you know, other resources other than farmed crops. However, and also their climate is very moderate because I'm forever haunted by those pictures that I saw of the famines in Russia where people got the dual whammy of starving and freezing, okay, I mean, they got the dual whammy, but then at least in Sri Lanka, if people are hungry, uh they can go you know catch some fish, but Even then, I still don't want to see anybody going through hard times where their dietary choices are limited involuntarily. (laughs) I don't ever want to see anybody go through that. (laughs) Talk to me, (laughs)
2: Demet. I'm just laughing. I don't know. I shouldn't be laughing because of what, the, what is being said, but um, is this hey. is
0: this like a cackle at a funeral kind of thing.
1: <laughs> could well be. I mean, could could well be where it, the si- the situation is so grim and gruesome that somebody just has to bust out a, a little bit. I mean, we've all been
2: there, right, Jimmy? <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the, all, all the weird ways this can go down. I'm just I'm laughing at myself for thinking about all this <laughs> and no longer being the voice of reason. So,
0: <laughs> it happens sometimes. It just climbs out. Um. So those are that's that's really going to conclude this week's burns and uh, let's bring it all back. Let's breathe breaths of fresh air into the, into the climate we've established here with this week's
1: returns.
0: (laughs) 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 Gentlemen, I'm going to link up these next two articles because they coincide together. uh, Oh, so perfectly. Uh, We were just talking about how pesticides, the enemy of the soil, the enemy of the people, and, uh, and how important it is to be focused on the evolution of the industry and changes that we can make that have big impacts, right? And, um, and a lot of that is uh, amongst us right now. For instance, this first article here, low-cost AI sensors can help farmers reduce fertilizer use. Pinpointed applications of fertilizer at appropriate times due to the utilization of AI sensors. That in and of itself, is phenomenal. To keep costs down, this particular sensor doesn't actually do all that much by itself, measuring only ammonium. But any kind of prediction on how much fertilizer will be necessary requires a ton more information than that. So this system uses machine learning, a form of artificial intelligence, to incorporate ammonium levels with all sorts of other data, including temperature, humidity, precipitation forecasts, soil pH in the time since the last fertilizer was applied. Combining all of that, the system is able to come up with figures telling the farmer how much nitrogen is in the soil and how much will be there for the following 12 days. That allows it to predict exactly when, where, and how much fertilizer is needed in order to minimize the amount of excess fertilizer applied. Unfortunately, researchers say they're about three to five years away from commercial availability, but provided the cost is low enough, the system could make for an affordable way to monitor fertilizer use. Fantastic. When we're talking about the evolution of the industry, this is one of the tools in the toolbox that will allow us to do so. And I think it parlays Perfectly into the next article here, which is soil health practices, cutting cost of equipment and fertilizer. Here out of Hoosier Ag today, Hoosier Daddy, he said, "Um, who who was uh uh You sent me a uh, a video of uh the former coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. What was his <laughs> name? <laughs> Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight. To me is." The epitome of what it was like cutting your teeth in this industry. All of my managers, people who trained me were Bobby Knight. It was I mean, it it, it really was. And again, back to the whole Greg Munshaw thing and why I apologize. You know, I was I I cut my teeth at True Green, i uh, being coached by a Bobby Knight. And then when I cut my teeth at Fairway Lawns, I was coached by a Bobby Knight. And I you know, you 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 are coaches you right and then that's why
1: i'm a little rough around the edges to say the least but here we go uh what we're seeing is that you look back on the 80s and
0: things weren't very good then it gave us a chance to raise crops and not have all the expense of the equipment that we've got now that was kind of what started it and then we started seeing the benefits of no tilling when we could get on the ground quicker after a rain that's not the only bit we really liked what we saw from better emergence, better growth, early growth, and then we started to learn about the soil ha- health aspects of things. We started cover crops probably ten years ago now. I had a lot of discussions with a lot of different producers around this. And the thing that we need to be emphasizing, I've got friends all over the state that are doing a lot of the same things we're doing, that we are that we share a lot of things back and forth. That's how the whole system is going to grow. Sure says that uh, after learning about all the benefits, he does not want to go out in his field and kill all of his little friends that are bringing the nutrients by doing tillage. Uh, we've been able to cut our fertilizer use probably in half at least, and we're not losing soil fertility. In the past year, I had our agronomist get a soil sample split in two, and he took half of it to send to the lab, where they totally destroyed that sample and found what all nutrients are in the soil, and compared to that, what we're seeing on our regular normal soil test. It's three to four times the amount of nutrients that are sitting there in that soil for us to use. And aren't necessarily available in a tiller system because we don't have the microbiology to get that nutrient and get it into the plant for us. So when we talk about the evolution of the industry, this is exactly what is going on. We are now able to quantify what takes place with no-till. And again, no-till is not a perfect system. We're continually running into issues where you have wild climate extremes or You're in an area where it's too cold and it's hard for you to be able to get down a cover crop in time and get it emerged to offer the same level of protection. But maybe what we're seeing in some of that now is that some is better than none. Uh, And then it becomes a cost thing, right? Where um, is it feasible? Is the return on investment that you're going to get through fertilizer savings uh, going to equate the cost for you to get that cover crop down that you may not get a second harvest out of, right? But all of this. All of this between sensors, machine learning, AI, no till, new farming practices, new cultural practices are all coming together to progress us to a state of better environmental uh, uh, sustainability. And I think that is very important. I think that's very representative of the exact same things we have going on throughout the entirety of the green industry. We are trending in the right direction, in my opinion. And I would die on this hill fighting against all the other anti-green uh, 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 industry extremists out there. I would say I am a green industry extremist and I, w- I would I die on the hill fighting the anti-green ex- industry extremists uh, by showing these types of things that we've got going on between the success we're seeing out of Pivot Bio, um, uh, 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 out of the uh, North Carolina Research Triangle with Ag Biome, and, um, you know, here we've got AI, machine learning being integrated into all this and new new methods like no-till. Gentlemen, we are
1: succeeding. Why? No, I'm, I'm not even going to ask the question. I'm just, I'm going to leave it right here. We are succeeding.
2: Tell we're me. I, 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 I think we're, we're, yes. you're going to have to. You're going to have to. And there's no way like let's just keep it on turf right ag, ag is light years ahead. i don't want to say light years they're uh almost a generation ahead at this point in terms of the technology that they're employing actually using right to make actionable decisions on their properties right and if you think about where turf is as a whole like let's just break that down into a subset of golf then sports turf then lawn care Lawn care by far lags significantly, significantly over golf and to a lesser extent sports turf. And I'm thinking that that's that's my question. You know, I think I posed that to you guys here before is, you know, thinking about this of the future, what does it look like? And it's going to be stuff like this. I mean, it, and you're going to have people that are like, "Well, man, like I'm not going to stick, you know, some fucking pole in somebody's yard and leave it there. Uh, it's not going to be like that. I really, it's, it's not going to be like that. But there is going to be that type of technology that you will have to employ at some point, right? And you're going to see it start in these, I don't want to say fringe, uh, to call them out, but I mean fringe areas that everything is stacked against you, right, in terms of what you're able to use and not use and all those types of things. You're going to have to employ technology and innovation like this to actually have a business to actually have a you know a functioning business model that will work. So my my only message to folks, and the thing I think is great doing this show because you get to see it and hear it and um, learn what's coming out and what people are experiencing with it, but is if you don't understand, you don't agree with, you don't uh, buy into whatever when it comes to this tech is you got to change your mindset. I don't know how long it's going to take you, and I don't know what you need to do to do that. I am not a psychologist, but I'm telling you that you need to change your mindset because things are going to be radically different in the next three to seven years. Radically different. Ray, what do you think?
1: You know, okay. Uh, first of all, I have a little question that came up. Is uh, for For me, do you think I'm... Stuck in the past or do you think i'm uh, i guess an adopter of technology that's appropriate (laughs) where where do i fall
2: i think you're open to it and i think that you have adopted what you've needed to adopt over the years i think if you if push came to shove you would you would do what you have to do
1: yeah and and the reason why I, i think about this is within my area A constant subject of discussion for me, for example, are soil tests because that's something that I've embraced and it is just an integral part of my operation. And the reason why I'm teeing into this is for me personally, I see the day where due to various reasons, you, me you know the operator we get told you don't apply anything until a standardized verifiable soil test indicates actual need or purpose i see that day and for me i actually have no objection to that kind of a you know that kind of a stipulation, because oftentimes I see so much misapplication, bad application, etc. And it is those things that basically cast the turf industry, for example, as bad actors. I mean, to a fringe or the environmentalists, for example, they think these lawn and golf guys, they just don't care. They're just throwing it down. And if we can come back and say no, we're doing this. We're making this application because the soil test indicates need. Doesn't that counteract their statement that we're just throwing it down?
2: <laughs> I I think that's the other thing that's that's not talked about is that so much of. Uh, well, I'll ask this to Matt. Matt's Matt's a, a big thicker on this is how much of the perception issue about lawn care in particular can be or will be cured by the adoption of new technology and innovation? Or is it just going to be your lawn boy?
0: No, the potential (laughs) is there, but there has to be greater adoptivity among the industry right now. Right now where we are is we have, until it, 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 it we are still very much under the throes of the good old boy system in in lawn care right mm-hmm. and the the industry is dominated by the companies that have 10,000 plus accounts right and until turnover at the highest level there occurs and and and, and to be fair here we are seeing this where sons are taking over businesses and they have a completely different approach to how they want to run and operate the business. And the 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 younger generation that is coming in seems more open towards these types of things that give them ultimately a competitive a competitive advantage over the next company. And a lot of that plays into buzzwords, right? Like Sustainability, renewability, circular economy, all these buzzwords you hear over and over that are becoming more and more prominent. These guys actually want to introduce those things. And I see that even at, at, with large companies wanting to do that. Oftentimes, though, these younger generations that are coming into it are formally trained more so in business than they are in agronomy. And so if we could provide the tool set to become the backbone for the agronomy and let the business thinkers think about their business, all of a sudden you've put together a package that, 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 that provides a synergistic, uh, some is, is greater than the parts, um, a, a, a business model uh, that ultimately becomes reflective of the industry as a whole. In my opinion, I think we are trending that way. It's slow. Um, there, Again, how quickly are we going to see turnover at the top levels? It's slow. But in the same vein, you know, what is the t- statistic, which I believe is in nine years now, maybe eight years, according to 2022, you know, 50% of the industry as we know it will be retired. And so that paves a new way for the younger generation that has been embedded with these thought processes, since the uh, uh, um What's the word I'm looking for? The urgency to do these types of things. I think there's a new level of urgency here. And uh, and I think these guys are willing to do it. And uh, to be able to have voices like y'all uh, to listen to and 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 bring these things forward uh, is only going to make it easier for them to adopt these types of things. So I'll be oddly optimistic
2: about this because I, I honestly believe. Wow. Wow.
1: I have I have optimism too. I have some optimism too in that uh I'm seeing this too where the old boy network is you know retiring, uh going away due to attrition, etc. But at the same time, we're kind of in a critical phase, I think, where the old boy network is going away, but at the same time uh, we need to watch over these people coming into the industry with that techie startup mentality. We need to kind of set them straight and rather than run, run a law based on the techie startup buzzwords, let's have them run and manage the lawn based on an actual agronomic basis. Well, all of this I'm
2: excited I'm excited to watch. Go on. Yeah, good it's a good segue.
1: Well,
0: y- yeah, because I should have included this in the in the entire um and, but the reason I didn't is because there is um <sighs> There's a lot of unknown about this, and I almost included it as a burn, but I'm going to leave it right now until I learn otherwise. Uh, But what we have here is a real-time soil testing ag startup, Stennin, raises $20 million of Series A funding. Stennin, an ag tech startup company that has a real-time soil sensing solution, has raised $20 million. Founded in 2018, Stinnen's digital soil data is produced without the need for a laboratory, making it faster, more efficient. Than the company claims. Stinnon says farmers get data to make the best decisions about cultivation, bo- boosting yield, crop quality, soil health, while saving significant amounts of time and money by not needing to use a soil testing laboratory. The idea is to become the soil data company in agriculture and get rid of the need for physical laboratories. <clears throat> so, with, and I don't know how they're doing this, right? And I've I've looked into their web, website. You can go to Stinen dot io forward slash en uh, because you know this is uh, a a German company a foreign company here and you know there's a couple of ways this could be occurring right just me thinking off the top of my head and they could be measuring um electrical conductivity right and if that's the case that technology isn't really providing us anything we don't already have and and have access to to real-time information while out in the field. However, depending on what their process is, they may be measuring a hell of a lot more than electrical conductivity, and they may be actually being able to draw up stuff from the soil and, uh, and provide some sort of real-time extraction process or a relatively quick turnaround in extraction process and be able to share these data points that are coming across. If it looks here, this is what they say. More than 5,000 data points per measurement. Easy soil analysis at the touch of a button. That 5,000 is pretty freaking amazing. That is a strong, strong statement. So this is one I'm going to keep an eye on too, because as we talk about the evolution of the industry, could you imagine being a lawn care company that's looking to distinguish yourself from your your counterparts and you move into neighborhoods? And as this talks about homogenization of yield and homogenization of fields. Could you imagine in moving into a, uh, a neighborhood and, and creating homogenization among a neighborhood, allowing for more predictability upon your applications that are going on out there? This has the potential again as we learn more about the technology, we'll understand what the potential actually is, but it has the potential to be, to be something that is absolutely game
1: changing at the most micro. As well as macro levels, yeah. I mean, I would, I would love that because, as is, guys, the fastest level of soil testing that I do. I need a one-hour turnaround time for that. Hmm. And what you know what that's pretty incredible. No, but you know what that is—that is a rather labor-intensive process that I go through to get a rapid pH reading on a soil. It does Uh, take an hour, though. It takes an hour. I mean, but my question is, is with the computerized electronic-based probe system, how good is that? Or has the technology improved such that it can take soil nutrient and soil pH reading because the technology has been out there, but for example, the reason why I don't stick a probe in the soil and instead I actually do an extraction and a pH reading manually is because pH probes and nutrient probes don't necessarily live up to their promise. Okay? I mean that's just uh what I'm gonna put out there is that to me, I wish I could just link up to my tab and see what that uh you know what that probe is reading in uh Mr. Chan's yard, for example. I'd love that. <laughs> well and so the that. the <laughs> thing
2: the thing that's interesting is that one, they have three pretty good sized competitors out there in the marketplace already. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, who wins the horse race, obviously. But then also too, is, you know, we're talking about non extracted nutrient values, right? So they're essentially, you know, something we've talked about here before with other technologies, they're sort of setting their own parameters, right? They're doing their own calibrations on the fly. Uh, and I'm sure that they've they've put a lot of work into trying to understand different soils and everything like that. I, you know, you wonder too. Here is as this matriculates into turf, we probably have to do that all over again because as we found out over these last you know 30, 40 years, is that extrapolating data from uh, field and forage crops doesn't necessarily give us the best recommendations for turf grass. So I think that'll be the other interesting part to see how this all plays out, but definitely cool stuff i'd be into it
1: yeah I, I gotta be into it too uh provided i had the correlation and to play devil's advocate here it's almost as if you need to put some of this in the hands of say michael woods to mm-hmm. name a name there you go because he'd be the person that would uh i i if that's in my mind as the one that would be the best at taking these data points and correlating them with actual turf performance i mean i I probably say that put this system in Michael Wood's hand and then tell him okay." What what are you what are you getting out of this? And then tell him to also compare what these probes are getting with his MLSN.
2: <laughs> no, that would be interesting. Calibrate against something yeah. like that. That's pretty precise. <laughs> Get it to Doug. Sold uh, yeah. gentlemen. Let's check out this week's mailbag.
1: You've got mm-hmm. mail. There it is. There it is. There it is. I, listen, when you're on dial-up, when you're on dial-up, there's a little bit of a delay. There's a mild lag. Mild it's the, lag. Little, it's
0: Rest the in peace. Rest in peace, AOL and AIM and uh, all, the, all the debauchery that occurred on that. <laughs> um, Mark wrote in and wanted to know, put on your Nos- Nostradamus cap, what will be the biggest burn and biggest return we'll see this year that is a very difficult question <laughs> that i've been pondering on uh for quite a while now and i have to say i'm going to give the biggest cop out answer i could that i can possibly give right and there's a reason why Because we are faced with the most unprecedented time in the history of the green industry, all the way from agriculture to supply chain to manufacturing, the most unprecedented time, that we are rewriting history right now with every day that passes. So, it's so difficult to try and play the predictor as the biggest burn and the biggest return we'll see this year. My I'm going to guess and this is just because I don't want to leave Mark completely out in the dust with a bullshit answer like that. My biggest burn is going to is going to be we we will see um and I hope we don't see this
1: sweeping
0: fans on glyphosate that lead to food situations and i don't know if we'll see that in 2022 the ramifications of it but i'm 50 50 right now that we will see sweeping life bans. bands and in the event we do i think we will see sweeping yield issues as a result of it um the biggest return we'll see this year will be a stabilization of the fertilizer model. those are my two guesses
1: Okay, Matt, uh, my, my biggest burn, and this is going to be me playing Nostradamus, is guys, ladies, buckle up and put on your crash helmet because once COVID gets solved, in you know the united states and the rest of the world here's what's going to happen particularly in the united states you mentioned glyphosate right matt yes glyphosate is the least of my worries oh boy what is it right because once COVID is solved nationally and regulatory agencies are allowed to convene in person freely, what I predicted would happen back in 2018 is going to be in full swing. It's going to be in full swing. Because chlorpyrifos got banned via, you know, I guess a lot of, a lot of Zoom meetings. And that was, a, that was a very arduous process. But once these guys are all allowed to enter the conference room at EPA headquarters again, get your crash helmets on, it's coming.
0: So you think we're going to see sweeping bans across the entirety of the pesticide industry?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay, I what see. What about it.
0: returns? What do we have to look forward to?
1: Well, the only thing <laughs> that we have to look forward to is it's death. Is maybe just maybe eventually our fertilizer production Will stabilize. And, however, that stabilization might be also in line with the legislative investigations regarding the fertilizer monopolies within the United States. Because you see, I know, for example, Do not get on the bad side of Chuck Grassley. (laughs) Don't. Just don't, okay? Just please don't, because (laughs) that would be like, uh, oh, to give you the idea, having Sheila's father show up.
2: (laughs) Roy, Roy, you're not supposed to be here, all right? Go home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought ray's return i thought for return ray was going to say an aortic dissection right at the point of peak orgasm
1: (laughs) no 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 but then i don't know but 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 to me it would be a return if it was actually seriously looked into regarding how within the united states The fertilizer industry literally got consolidated into a handful of companies, and they essentially control the trade, import, and export of our fertilizer resources. Because did we not have an issue with the telecommunications industry at one time? That eventually got resolved to a point uh, by a national action. So I'm foreseeing that is going to be our return. Because, by the way, I've heard of it before where a fertilizer company gets bought, and due to their purchase products that that company previously produced just get taken off the market for no no good reason and with no benefit to the market so oh hell yeah no I, i'd like to see all the time yeah it happens all the time doesn't it and, and oh by the way that too is why and how for example. Pharmaceuticals cost what they do because somebody acquires the company that is making that medication, and then the new company decides to either no longer do this or they will do it, but it's at the price that they think will cover the cost of their acquisition <laughs>
0: uh yeah i think uh we saw that with uh martin shkreli and uh if you are interested in ag advocacy uh toward fighting uh corporate monopolies you can check out family farm action alliance uh farm action us on twitter domain mm-hmm. talk to us <laughs> talk to us what's the bad and the good we're gonna see in 2022
2: I think the bad uh the bad will be all, all of the above here with what I would call unintended consequences. I've talked about it before with the bands, and I think you're gonna see some of that, but I also think too that um good meaning people that that you know are are running these businesses, whether it's you know golf course a sports field or sports complex or lawn care operation uh, are going to struggle with this climate with fertilizer and with products and things like that. I think it's going to be a real issue. Boots on the ground. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, things that 50,000 feet that people might never see, touch, feel, experience, whatever. But this is going to touch your business and your employees and your customers and your bottom line. It will. Like to think that it won't, and I think that you're going to somehow skate because, oh, man, my site one rep, he's the best. Or my, and I'm not just digging on site one. I'm I'm just saying in general. It's all bullshit. It's bullshit. They don't care. You're, they don't love you. Well, it has nothing <laughs> to do. I mean, it's it's. I can't tell you what I don't have. Right? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that is going to be an issue. So I'm just thinking of, you know, tangible things that are going to hurt. This is going to hurt. Uh, a lot of people because they're not prepared. Now, I'll flip that around and say for my biggest return, the thing that I am most excited to see and you know help people with, or whatever the case might be, you know here individually and collectively, is the the fact that I think people that know their stuff or are willing to seek help are gonna be the people that make it through this, not just okay, but actually do quite well. Because I think there's going to be some opportunities in the market to uh, shine when other people aren't. There's going to be some opportunities to deliver on promises that you, you, know, that you normally can because you're used to having certain products, but you had to pit, you know pivot over to something else and you're still able to make it happen. Um, that type of thing. And then just from a business standpoint of not losing your ass, like knowing what your numbers are and understanding what it's going to take to get the outcome that you want to see on a particular property. I think that's going to be a a much more treacherous road uh, for a variety of reasons. We haven't even talked about labor yet, but all these things are sort of culminating in something that can be either the biggest burn or the biggest return of uh, a lot of companies' existence. So that remains to be seen, but that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at is one of those two scenarios. Probably not going to be a whole lot of people in the middle.
1: Well, the good news is is that none of us have come to the conclusion that we're all going to die, and I think
0: that <laughs> is the one redeeming quality um, or one, one redeeming point that uh, that has come up. So, if you're concerned about the end of the world, we're not. We certainly don't see it as that way at all, um, or any sort of at least within the United States, widespread problem that is uh, that would affect our livelihoods um, to the degree of no longer being able to uh, to eat ultimately starve to death or uh, even be able to provide for our family. Although we may have to change the way we do things, ultimately we will still have a capitalistic society that will allow us to be able to provide for our family in some form or fashion. Coming up this week on Thursday, we have our favorite big dick energy, big dick, uh, big Somalia, it's uh, uh, big Somalia energy, BSC, Timmy Bluegrass. And for those of you that don't know, um, he is actually a world-renowned Somalia um that uh that tastes uh energy drinks on uh on on um uh what is it uh tiktok uh, yeah uh but that's not why we're having him on why we are having him on is that he is actually a phenomenal lawn enthusiast and for anybody that has been around my old live streams where i used to just spend hours answering questions from uh the community Timmy Bluegrass was always a heavy heavy contributor with tons and tons of great questions uh, that would spur lots of genuine conversation. And uh, and he has a very unique Kentucky Bluegrass that I think is going to be well worth diving into uh, because he has a roundup-ready Kentucky Bluegrass. So lots of interesting things we're going to be unpacking there. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, I, I, I Tim is absolutely amazing at keeping the conversation going and has some, uh, some interesting insight that he will be able to provide for us that we may not otherwise have, except for Demay. Demay has experience with it. Uh, Ray and I will be kind of sitting off in the background. Casting uh, uneducated questions at him. And uh, yeah, I'm sure cracking a joke or two in the process. Um, (laughs) We are going to jump off over to the show after the show, where we allow our co-producers to uh, name the title of this episode. Uh, Coming out this week, we will have this episode uh, released in, in clips. Um, It'll be short, you know, five to 12 minute clips where we discuss the highlights of this week's episode. We want to thank each and every one of you for giving us the opportunity to do this. We truly appreciate it. And we will catch y'all on the flip side.